0: Welcome to 2Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, say hello.
1: Hey, how's everybody doing?
0: We are bringing you our season-opening Ohio State preview. This is episode two for the 2Deep, and... Uh, Number one in our house, defending national champs. I mean, this is something else.
1: It's game week. I can't believe it's finally here. It's it, been such a long offseason. It's been a
0: long summer, long, long summer. Uh, just thinking about this matchup kind of makes me want to rip a shot.
1: Well, we got to start it off this way <laughs> yeah, every week. You know it. Yeah. We signed ourselves up for this, and Why now don't you uh, give us a cheers. Well, uh, how about a cheers, uh twofold cheers. One, uh, I think since this is our second episode, I think we can actually classify this as a podcast because uh, we did more than one. That's true. That's positive. You stay committed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, two, uh, let's make it uh, two years in a row taking down Ohio State. It was a huge game, one of the most anticipated, as everybody said. We're going to be there, and it's going to be awesome. So cheers to that. Cheers. Yeah, week two, it, it still burns.
0: Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? Um, we wanted to get go through just some of the, the news items that have come out in the last week regarding tech, and then we're going to hop into the podcast. Robbie, what do you have in terms of the news items?
1: Uh, quickly, uh, Tyrod Taylor uh, got announced starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, beating out E.J. Manuel. Um, again, after uh, beating him uh, when he played uh, Florida State. Uh, 2010
0: ACC Championship in Charlotte. I was there.
1: Exactly. So he, he beats him again, uh, wins the starting job. We all love Tyrod. Congrats to him. Second uh, is uh, Shai McKenzie. Uh, Shane Beamer came out, I think, just this afternoon, right before we even hopped on here and said that Shai is not going to be redshirting this year and he's going to be available for the the Furman game, uh, week two. So that's think exciting. we might have
0: said that last week, right?
1: I, I think that <laughs> may have been accurate that that would uh, play out that way. But maybe we just got lucky. I don't know. Or maybe we know what we're doing. <laughs> uh, and then number three is uh, Ohio State dropped their uh, their depth chart today. Obviously, uh, no announcement on the QBs, but uh, everything else on there was pretty consistent with what you see if if you're out there reading 11 Warriors or any of the other Ohio State uh, uh, message boards. So pretty consistent with what we expected. So we didn't have to rejigger anything right before this podcast, which was good. But those are a couple of just the news bites.
0: We want to uh, start the official podcast with uh, the plus and minus segment, uh, just the positive negative storylines of the upcoming opponent just to frame the matchup. And uh, I guess we'll do the Ohio State positives first, get the uh, the bad news out of the way. They are bringing back a ton. They're returning 15 starters, uh, including three quarterbacks, um, which I'll talk about in a moment. They're starting running back Ezekiel Elliott, who's just a monster. And basically at every level of their defense, they're returning one of the best players in the country at each position. So there's a lot to deal with there. The other huge positive was one of those three quarterbacks, the 2013 uh Big 10 player of the year Braxton Miller they got him to move positions play h back/wide receiver for them a position of need especially in the game against us so Ohio State's got everything going the whole roster stacked uh four stars all over the board so they they have plenty of positives
1: it's a tough tough life when you're living living like Alabama these days so uh yeah good he's for building them a juggernaut up there I'll tell you mm-hmm.
0: uh as for the negatives and this is some good news for us Uh, Over the offseason, they lost Tom Herman, their offensive coordinator. He's now the coach of Houston. Uh, They promoted from in-house Ed Warner. He was their former offensive line coach, and the offensive line had a great year after they played us. Uh, They also lost some key playmakers, including Devin Smith, which Robbie had mentioned on our last week's podcast, and uh, Dorian and Curtis Grant, uh, both a good defensive back and linebacker, and they lost Bennett off their D-line, which was a big loss. Uh finally the last the last negative was those suspensions which was the best news we ever could have gotten Joey Bosa's out Jalen Marshall Dontre Wilson and Corey Smith Ohio State is just hurting at wide receiver going into this game those are their second third and fourth most amount of yards were coming back with those three receivers and now they're all suspended so we got lucky there and obviously Joey Bosa was probably is still probably going to go number 1 in the and 2016 NFL draft, so losing him for, at the defensive end position is great for our O line.
1: Um, the the nightmare is real for me. I think I alluded to this last week. We all <laughs> joked, and then they go out and lose yet another player uh, with uh, with the broken leg. I mean, I I was worried about this. You know, if we somehow pulled things off this upcoming uh, week, um, there's going to be a lot of excuses out there, and I'm not too, I'm not too happy about for it. that,
0: but like I said, we want to win first and <laughs> foremost, and I think uh, we're going to detail how we're going to do that. We're going to take a look at the matchup in two halves here, uh, and we're going to start with the Ohio State offense ber- versus Bud Foster's defense. And this started off a kind of an interesting formation for us last year and we threw a look at Ohio State that they weren't expecting and we're going to talk about a little bit here but Robbie what do you think we're going to see from the Ohio State offense when they step on the field what do you think they're going to they're going to emphasize
1: I I think given the strength of our defensive backfield i think they're going to do the a lot of what they hope to do in 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 every game and they especially tried to do last year was um and got stuffed on it was to open up the run game and really the read option whether it's inside or outside um read option that uh, and it's been mentioned a, a number of different places, is the lifeblood of Ohio State's offense. If they cannot get the run game going, uh, it makes things very difficult for them. Uh, they obviously have the talent, but the scheme that we showed last year and, and stuffing extra people in the box really caused them a lot of trouble. They had a little bit of success um, on, the, on the outside, but up the middle – um, it was all day long. They were getting they were getting stuffed uh, in the look that Bud Foster chose and went aggressive with with uh, the double eagle, and I thought that um, you know was interesting. And but it's tough to tell whether that's what we're going to be doing this year, and whether that's what we're the look that we're going to show them again.
0: Right, and yeah, the double eagle, the bear, the cover zero—they kind of you know all go hand in hand. Um, and that bear defense actually, uh, Key Play did a great write up on it this morning, just about what we showed Ohio State. Uh, in terms of the 5 man defensive front and that it's essentially an easy way to spot the bear um and we ran it a lot of the game and it was extremely effective against the run and really flummoxed the Ohio State run game and and uh JT Barrett and we were able to get to the quarterback when they did pass and stuff the inside zone runs which is basically what Urban Meyer's offense is like that's his that's his been his bread and butter at Ohio State now Urban Meyer's known for Running, you know, a real true spread offense, you know, getting the ball to his receivers in space and having them, you know, make plays and forcing the defense to make one-on-one tackles. But since he's got to Ohio State, he's really been running more of a power run spread, where he does a lot of inside zone, a lot of counter tray. um, But the spread option, the the spread um, tendencies are still there in terms of the post snap reads and the option which Robbie was talking about, Mm -hmm. Um, and also that Barrett or jones um uh, depending on who it's going to be uh <laughs> we'll play a lot out of the shotgun yep. um and so again this year i think that we're going to try to take away that run again I, I don't really see a reason to change the game plan uh especially with their you know the wide receivers that they have out of the out of the, out of the game
1: well and that's that's a great point on a, on a couple different levels, but you know, with the wide receivers at the end of the day, taking those those players out and what they lost, the H back and on the superior wide receiver side um, is at the end of the day, they have a limitless number of four stars and, and five star talent right. we've I mean, talked about, but there's game experience that comes into play here. And the fact is, is that Brandon Faison was an, an All ACC player. Um, he was out last year. You have. Kendall Fuller, who many peg in the top three and quarterback in the country, Chuck Clark. And to say that you're going to be able to swap in guys that are that green and don't have game experience and be able to be really productive, regardless of whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Cardell or um, JT Barrett, I think is a is an aggressive stance. Not that those players aren't talented, but game experience is huge.
0: Right, and one of the reasons that I think... We are going to sell out on the run, and this is going to – I want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott, and that's one of the reasons we have to stop the run first. This guy was unbelievable down the stretch for them. Um, We did a good job on him early on, but that offensive line was still learning, and Elliott was still learning. But by the end of that season, that was a well-oiled machine. In his last three games, Elliott had nearly 700 yards, 696 yards against Wisconsin, Alabama, and Oregon. 76 carries. So over nine yards of carry and eight touchdowns in his last three games alone, 700 yards. They figured it out in terms of moving the football via the run. And it makes me nervous. And that's why potentially bringing that free safety into the box, playing the bear again, or at least a variation of it and bringing heat every time is going to be really important for us. At least that's what I think.
1: It's going to be huge, and I think it's it's the inside, as you said. The inside zone is really what was key. Because if you go back and you watch the, the Wisconsin game, the Oregon game, the Alabama game – a lot of his yardage yardage is is right up the center. It's not even on the outside, and that's what's incredible is the the offensive line. You can see the improvement. Um, we all know it was there. That was a well oiled machine by the end of the year, and that's that's where they were gaining a lot of yardage and really pounding people in the face. To it was almost a power run offense. I mean, by the end it, of the it year, it really was a
0: lot a lot of uh, you know pro style uh, looks and stuff that they were given and. Other than the game against us, they rushed for 275 yards a game. A game. That's unbelievable. Uh, Against us, they had 100 yards on the ground, and most of that was JT Barrett scrambling. I mean, the anomaly that was the Virginia Tech game against them, it's just crazy. We we were able to stifle them so well. Um, I think an X factor for Ohio State, though, because they've lost Jalen Marshall to the suspension and Noah Brown, who they thought was looking real good in camp, to the broken leg, they're going to have to rely on Braxton in this game. What do you think Braxton's going to bring to the table?
1: Um... I think he's going to be productive. I, I think he's versatile. I think he causes a lot of um, mismatches for us in the ability. The fact is, he can still throw. I mean, <laughs> I think Bud Foster was mentioning it the other day exactly. on a number of different uh, you know ways that they're going to try and use him. I think he's going to be productive. I understand. He was, a, he was a five-star talent, right, kind of think coming out of high school and a quarterback, and he is very versatile. He's speedy. He's shifty. He's tough to take <laughs> down. And at the end of the day, um, I think he will be very productive, but it's still his first game in yeah. real life experience at that H-back position.
0: I know. I mean, your dog's so excited. He wants to chime in too here.
1: Yeah, and we got my dog in the background, so apologies for that.
0: Speaking of Braxton throwing, who 's going to be starting at quarterback? I think we both have a, a pretty good idea who it 's going to be, but who do you think it is?
1: Yeah, I think we both agree if i 'm guessing what you got down on your paper i haven 't seen it is j t Barrett uh, at, I think he is probably um, the best matchup for for Virginia Tech in what they want to do and being able to to run the ball. Cardell is an absolute beast. If you go back to those games against Alabama and Wisconsin, he was he loves bulldozing people and kind of going straight up the middle and taking them down. But I think it and it, it's actually impressive to watch. It reminds me a lot of what Logan, Logan Thomas used to do on uh, on many of those plays. Yeah,
0: I mean, Barrett is a load. But yeah, I mean, sorry. Cardell's a load, but I do agree that it's going to be Barrett. Uh he beat out Cardell last year and He was named a captain. Like The writing is on the wall that he'll probably play most of the game, but knowing Urban Meyer, he likes to throw in some wrinkles, and you said we could see Braxton throw a pass, and we could definitely see some short yardage situations with Cardale, or maybe even not short-yardage. Maybe he just wants to switch it up at some point and bring Cardale in just to mess with us. So I think we're going to probably see all three of them in some aspect. Uh, but I think Barrett will end up being the starter and probably playing the majority of the game.
1: It, it has to be Barrett. I mean, at the end of the day, Cardell's his arm is so powerful, but that is the one advantage we have going into this game. So why are you putting somebody on the field whose biggest strength is Virginia Tech's strength?
0: True, because Barrett, they both provide uh, you know, running ability, but Barrett is probably the superior runner in just terms of getting around people, and he, he made us run all over the place last year ch- chasing him down. Uh, and like I said, he was their leading rusher in the game. Um, so I think Barrett is a more dangerous matchup for, for us. And so I would think that he's going to start, uh, how do you think they're? we said that, you know, they're going to have trouble maybe throwing the ball, but I think that their tight end situation could give us some issues. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I I definitely do Vanett, I think is uh is a stud. He didn't have um a whole lot, you know, showing up in our our game last year, but for the rest of the year he was um you know, uh, we talked about it a little bit this last year. He was a safety valve for them as well. He's a, you know, sizable guy and I think he could cause a lot of mismatches for us. Um in addition to um, Michael Thomas, which I think last year burned the hell out of uh, Brandon Faison a, a, a few times. Granted, I think we, we know there might have been some injuries or things there. Right, but. yeah, he
0: took that one slant all the way to the house. And he is currently the number one wide receiver on Todd McShay's big board. So if that doesn't tell you that he has got all the potential in the world to be a killer, I don't know what does. Uh, he's huge, he's fast, and like you said, he he burned us a few times last year. Uh, so he is definitely someone we're going to have to look out for. I would imagine that we're going to put fuller on him for a majority of the game, but with the way bud and Torian like to mix it up, that's not necessarily true. And with Faison, if he is a hundred percent healthy, you know, he, and, he, and, uh, Kendall are one a and one B they're both super good. Um, and sometimes I think that the pure athleticism might be better from Faison. um, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think as a pure cover corner, I think that Fuller's better, but faison can really can, can cover a guy just like a blanket, like anybody else. So, yeah. but again, just to kill that, uh, tight end point. I think that that could be a problem for us. Mm-hmm. RVD is going to be Ronnie Van Dyke is going to have to play a great game. Cause I think he's going to be on the field a lot. I don't think we're going to be in nickel that much. I think the whip is going to be on the field a lot, uh, because they're probably, you know, they might play that H back position a decent amount, but they, I think whoever was going to play H-back for them, they have another guy, Curtis Samuel, who plays a lot of H-back. He'll probably line up, and so we'll play Stroman sometimes. But I think the whip is going to stay on the field a ton. And I think RVD has the athleticism uh, to cover guys uh, running down the field as the tight end or even an H-back. But does Bud, will Bud trust him to leave him on the field? Do you think that's the case?
1: I think I think he will. I think he has to. Uh, at the end of the day, but Bud's defensive scheme and uh, this may pull it up a little high level. The Bud's defensive scheme is always aggressive, and it takes a lot for him not to be very aggressive in that scheme. And he has to trust his guys. Um, you know, going into probably this spring, I think there was a lot of concerns in the fan base about about Ronnie. Uh, Bud reiterated his com- his confidence in him, I think about a week ago, he came out. Yeah, he did and say something. He was saying some positive things uh, about, about Ronnie Van Dyke and what he's been doing. And in I this. do Is think it?
0: having Van Dyke on the field allows you to have that stronger defensive front against the run, mm-hmm. for sure, yep. and if he can hold his own covering, then there's no need to bring him off, because we thought Van Dyke was going to be a world beater at whip for us a couple years ago, and... Uh, injuries kind of messed up, you know, his ascent to greatness in our eyes. But yep. he's still a very good player, and he's very big and very fast, and he can hit like no other. Yep. Is the question: Is can he cover Varnett uh, <laughs> and and yeah. and you know allow us to stay in our front and not have to change up, especially if Ohio State starts going you know high tempo? I think he can. So to sum it up, what do you think our defense has to do? In order to win the battle against the OSU offense in this game,
1: I think if we can, if our corners can shut down and you know the the pass game and not allow them to stretch the field, which is exactly what happened last year, um, I think that is going to be the most critical component to us us winning this game and it'll allow us to, to stuff the box and really continue to put pressure like we did last year um, on on whether it's JT Barrett or to kind of maintain Cardell and not give him momentum um, if he's if he's running the ball. I think that's critical. I think one person that we haven't talked about here, uh, and we talked about a lot last week, so we're not going to hit too much, is um, Matupuaka, uh, middle linebacker. If we come out and we do show the, the that front again, the double eagle, um, I think that in a bear defense, he's going to be critical to that to to make sure he hits his holes and he's stopping the run um, up the center. That would be probably number two on my list, uh, and I think number three is for Bud to continue to be aggressive. I think that which I think he always does. It takes a lot for him to back off, but those would be my three kind of keys to to, to us. You know, doing well on the defense. And I
0: pretty much agree. I have the same three, just maybe worded a little bit differently. Uh, we, I want to sell out against the run again. I want to pressure the whole game, yeah. blitz, show the bear, you know, whatever you have to do, eight men in the box, stop the run first. Uh, watch out for the tight end, like we were talking about. And we need solid mic play. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Matt Mo Tua Puaka needs to play well. We need to avoid the big plays. If we can avoid the big plays, I think – Ohio State's going to have a really hard time just marching down the field on us repeatedly. If they're getting big plays, it, things could get ugly in a in a big hurry. So yep. those are my three keys, which I think they, they pretty much line up with yours. But I think this is definitely a side of the ball we can win. But that OSU offense, with that offensive line and that run game, it, it definitely makes me nervous, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Wow.
0: So that was just a lot of football nerding out right there.
1: We just went full dork. I, on think,
0: that. <laughs> I think we need a beer break. Um, Robbie, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, I got the, uh, eight point IPA, uh, devil's backbone brewing company. It's out of, uh, Lexington, Virginia, Southern, uh, Southern Virginia. Oh yeah. It's, it's good. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge hophead, So I'm, I'm into double IPAs, uh, you know, uh, hoppier, regular IPAs. So it's a little bit maltier, but I, I, I still like it. I'm drinking bouncy house IBA. It's, uh, from
0: smutty nose brewing company, which is, uh, new Hampshire beer. Uh, but I, I would say that I'm more like the single IPA, you know, I, I, I like this where we're at with these multi ones. Mine's a little bit sweeter. And I had a, an eight point before, uh, before Robbie did. And, uh, I really liked it. I like that, that multi flavor.
1: Now that we're off topic, uh, I think it's, um, a good time to let everybody know to stick around to the very end of the episode. We have a, a couple of questions, uh, that got submitted, uh, from we had to pick through like thousands that got submitted. Yeah, there
0: were so many questions; it was hard to get <laughs> some. But uh, we do have a couple of listeners, and uh, some of them had some questions for us, so we're going to go through that, as well as some um, picks against the spread at the end. Me and Robbie are, you know, we're going to make you some money too on this podcast. That's what we're here for. So stick around for that. Let's turn over to the other side of the ball: the Scott Leffler offense versus. The Ohio State defense. I mean, we got this one in the bag, right?
1: Yeah, this is easy. <laughs> uh, what is the Scott Leffler offense I, again? I've been
0: a little confused as to what uh, what exact thing we run. It, it wouldn't technically be uh, a pro style or, or zone run concepts. Or I, I think they def- a little bit of everything, kind of a mixed bag.
1: He calls it a pro style, but it is no. It's a lot of different. We banks. do
0: some, you know, some jet sweeps and some. <laughs> You know, a little bit of passes out in the flat and some zone running. So, I mean, we a little bit of hurry up. We mix it all in there. And, yeah. you know, that's what Scott likes to do. He likes to keep you on your toes. But uh, yeah. in all seriousness, this Ohio State defense is the real deal. Yep. This is a top 15 defense, probably top 10 when it's all said and done. And they, they've got playmakers at every level. And I was curious, Robbie, do you see a weakness on this Ohio State defense? Because it is very good.
1: Yeah, there's not there's a, a weakness. Is there more of a weakness? I think than other aspects of it is, yeah, is wait, all we could probably come up with here. Um, there's not there's not a lot of weakness in here other than uh, Joey Bosa being being gone, and even with that, it's kind of a ding, not a dent. Uh, I think maybe the size of our tight ends. If we come out there with a two tight end uh, look or. Or something along those lines. I think that may help us. Um, uh, obviously, their cornerbacks and safeties six one six three. It's really going to have to be a linebacker covering covering Bucky or covering Malik, um, given their size. Um, and I think that could be the one area. Maybe we might. Be, have a make a. I have a little
0: bit of a different take on this. Uh, I think that OSU's linebackers are one, probably their best position group of any position group and maybe their offensive lines a little bit better, but their linebackers are studs. They, Mm -hmm. it's one of the best groups in the country for sure. So depending on how well they can cover our tight ends and, and that kind of thing, you know, I'm not sure if we'll have a big advantage there, although I have very, uh, the highest confidence in Bucky and Malik. I think that a chink in their armor could be their run defense. And I know that might sound weird with how good their D line is like vaunted over the last two years, but I, st- I think that although their linebackers are very good, no one got a chance to consistently run the ball against Ohio State because they were killing everyone the whole time. Yeah. And even against our game where we had leads, yes, they did stuff us a lot. Uh, but our offensive line was was rough, to say the least, especially in the beginning of the year. And Marshawn kept slamming it in for zero yards like every other time he had the football but
1: Most carries for zero yards, I think, of anybody last season. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> Ohio State was 34th against the run last year, so it's not like they're a slouch. What I'm saying is if you stick with it and you're consistent and make a commitment to it, there was, there was signs. Um, if you look at some of the efficiency numbers in terms of Ohio State's defense, they were like, 77th and 81st and like stuff rate and um another efficiency metric that football outsiders does, which showed that if you consistently run the ball and show a commitment to it and have a decent offensive line, you could move the ball on the ground against Ohio State. The problem was they were up by so much, everyone was passing and their D-line could tee off on everybody. Yeah. So I think that could be a little bit of a chink in the armor. And like you said, it's a very strong armor and a very, very small chink, let me put it that way.
1: Yeah. And it all you know, all this stuff kind of comes comes together because the offensive line play was so bad that Brewer had no time, which means we couldn't stretch the field, which means that they were able to kind of, you know, really just stuff the stuff, a box on us and we couldn't get the run game going. So it all meshes together. And I think what we're going to see is it's going to hinge on the offensive line. If they can give more time to Brewer, that'll allow everything to come together. If they right. Can- but
0: I think, don't you think we have to establish the run before we're giving Brewer any time? Because I've, feel like they're going to be coming after us now we do have the advantage of them not having bosa which i can't say enough how big that is but obviously they have four stars and five stars right behind Mm him adolphus washington their defensive tackle that is the guy that scares me and when i'm talking about establishing the run i mean running away from him specifically (laughs) because that is a bad man they lost bennett but washington is probably going to be a first round pick from the defensive tackle position he is nasty
1: yeah. I mean that that center core they're big boys and dangerous I think uh right there. So and one other thing just going back to my point on Remember, we stretched the field with Bucky Hodges, right? So this isn't your typical tight end lineup that you would normally see where you have a tight end going, you know, doing a post route and you're going to end up, you know, up against a linebacker. He was stretching, catching, you know, 25, 30 yard bombs out there, which is a little bit different. He's playing a wide receiver role. You're right.
0: And we have enough receivers that in Ford and Phillips and Hodges that we can expose Maybe their their weakest position on the field is one of their corners. Uh, Conley is a first year starter, uh, taken over for Grant, and between Ford and Phillips and Hodges, I feel like we got to pick on him a little bit yep. uh, because their safeties are very good. Bell is one of the best in the country, yep, and Pal is no slouch and he's a big dude too. So maybe we can pick on Conley a little bit with some of our receivers, uh, but I think I still think it it depends on us establishing a run. And if we can establish the run, we're gonna have to do exactly what we did last year in terms of converting on third down, which we did at a ridiculous rate last year. I don't, th- I don't think it's repeatable, yeah. but we need to get close because we're probably going to be in a lot of third downs and third and longs and so
1: on and so forth. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think Matt, to my point on that, was I think Bucky's going to have some success. I don't think Malik's going to because he's going to be in the face of those linebackers all day, and they are, they are tough. They are that is a group that really scares me.
0: I guess the question is, how are we going to put up points in this game? How are they going to come?
1: Burr plays very, very well. He has to play out of his
0: mind again, uh, I guess. uh,
1: Well, I I think when you go back to that game, he played extremely— the way that he played was outrageous, given how bad the offensive line play was. So those kind of go together. How much pressure he was feeling, his scrambling ability, which, uh, I mean, people didn't really even know that going into that game, that he could scramble and make plays with his feet a little bit and keep keep the plays alive, yeah. So I think it really comes down to, one, is the offensive line improved like we think it may be? And if it is, can Brewer really kind of put together the show that he did last year, which there were plenty of plays that you know you know we fell on our face on it, it, most people fall back on what that third down stat was and and how many completions that we had there he's going to have to mirror that again this year for us to really put up points in in my mind
0: yeah we're going to need another game of a lifetime from brewer that's for sure but i think the offensive line can make that a lot easier for him and although this defense from Ohio State is extremely good I'm not sure that it's that much better than the defense we faced last year. And the reason I say that is there's no Joey Bosa on the field. They lost both Curtis and Dorian Grant. And uh, if you look at who got better and what's it's about, like everything that is a plus on their defense, they have just as many minuses, especially with the Bosa suspension. They lost Bennett on the D line too. And in this game, because of the Bosa suspension, they're going to have to be breaking in, Not one, but two defensive ends. Now, one of their defensive ends uh, played a lot last year, Lewis. Um, But Sam Hubbard, the guy that's going to be starting on the other side for Bosa, you know, he's pretty inexperienced. And a guy we went after, Jalen Holmes, Tech wanted him bad, I think. Uh, It would have been
1: nice to have him. It would be nice to keep him
0: off the Ohio State roster (laughs) for this game, for sure. Uh, He's going to step in and probably play a lot of snaps, too. But these guys, while extremely talented, don't have a lot of experience. Now, the linebackers. Their experience. They do have one new starter in the linebacking core, Raekwon McMillan. I guess his parents were Wu Tang Clan
1: fans. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Raekwon. I mean, he sounds like an animal. I'd be scared of him even if he wasn't as big as he is.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's spelled exactly like the rapper. Um, And the secondary is very strong. But like I said, they are breaking in a new corner, too. And Eli Apple, while. He has a year of starting experience. He had his issues last year, too. The safeties are rock solid, and Perry, who led the team in tackles last year, is rock solid at linebacker. But I think there's enough minuses uh, to to cancel out or at least get close to canceling out the pluses. Their defense will be a little bit better than their defense last year in this game, but not a lot. And we were able to beat them and do some very creative, and we were able to move the ball on, on them last year. So that gives me hope that, We'll be able to put up some points in a similar way. It's going to be smoke and mirrors. It's going to be a lot of third down conversions. Well, and if, what, did it's we, what did
1: we lose, right? I mean, if right. you really we think about it, anything, except, anything. except anything. we had put two, two freshmen in there, white receivers. We lost and a couple offensive year. linemen. That's right. And the and, offensive line and was not garbage.
0: <laughs> 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 so, right. Like, if you look at it that way, sure, we were right there in terms of we should be able to put up a similar number of points. But we also played out of our minds that game. Yep. So we'd have to equal that intensity. But I think it's something we could do, especially since this time we're at home.
1: So, and I think that's huge. Well, I'll be yelling for that. Uh, that's
0: for sure. Undoubtedly, this game is going to be extremely tough. And I don't want to, like, start getting on a soapbox here. But <laughs> to me, this is such a huge opportunity for Virginia Tech as a program. And it was last year, too. And we took advantage of it. And we went into the horseshoe and we took them down but at home especially with the way we played right after the Ohio State game and continued to play for a while um this is a huge opportunity for our program to make a statement
1: or redemption right i mean after what happened a last year 7 and year. 6 season losing well, to ECU yeah we became a a laughing stock last year for having beat OSU I, I, you know i called into it like one of the talk shows on like serious xm one time and i was like I, I wish we didn't win that game because all it did was lead to more people making yeah, fun of us for the rest of the season. Getting clowned on for
0: the rest of the year—it was annoying. I mean, and we deserve all the credit in the world for going into the horseshoe in front of the largest crowd to ever see a football game there and kicking their butt. And we need to do it again to just prove ourselves. And
1: there's, I'm nervous. There's a huge chip on everybody's shoulder. I think it's after. funny how they
0: should have the bigger chip on their shoulder for the, but like with the, what, how it happened and how we got clown for, you know, going seven to six, uh, we have actually might have a bigger chip on our shoulder to prove it again.
1: I think we do. And a, a lot of the, well, I guess at in, in that point you want to get into kind of our summary or thoughts for, for this. Or, you know, yeah. We'll...
0: I, and we talked last week on our predictions for the game and I predicted it as a loss and I'm going to stick by that only because it's hard for Lightning to strike twice, although I do think that we're much closer to being on par with Ohio State and just a top-10 team in general this year than we were last year. Our defense
1: will be a top-three defense in the country this year. That, that it, I'm absolutely saying that. The fact is a lot of people, uh, and there's been a lot of uh, you know message boards and things like that spent the offseason figuring out what Virginia Tech did Other than Ohio State having a a brand new offensive line and breaking that in, what did Virginia Tech actually do that changed things up? And I want to get to that point real quick because it summarizes why I think we're gonna we have a chance to win this game. I picked it as a win. Is yeah, we wanna talk about the bear front. Nobody else played cover zero the way that we did. Nobody else stuck their defensive backs on an island with no other safety help, with nothing out there uh, the way that we did, and used those extra people to stuff the box and stop the run the way that we did. If you go back to the Alabama game, you go back to the Michigan State game, but you go back to the Oregon game. Everybody wants to say that if we were playing the bare front in and, and those as well. Yeah, but it wasn't about the bare front. It was about whether they were adding these, those additional personnel because they were leaving people on an island up in the box to stop the run. And we did. And if you watch the game the number of people that are stopping and at the line of scrimmage and taking down, you know, JT Barrett and getting through the line was impressive and it was for that reason they was not the same defensive look that those teams showed that we did. I'm not saying we're going to show it again this year, but I want everybody to realize that that was that was different and a lot of people have done analysis to show it was. And
0: I agree with you 100%. We do do and it's not only just about us potentially bringing that extra safety down in the box it's about our guys being coached better than those other teams now i know narduzzi and d'antonio do a great job at michigan state and i'm sure oregon and alabama obviously with nick saban's a defensive mastermind but our guys know that system they know their responsibilities they're skilled and they're in in a lot of ways just playing better than a lot of the other teams that tried to stifle ohio state the same way we did so you can you know I guess the greatest compliment is, uh, is to, to, to impersonate, but we're the only true defense that can handle this Ohio State offense, apparently.
1: Because well, that happened last year. And we are the most aggressive defense that I have ever watched on film, period. Because Bud Foster will get punched in the mouth, and we'll miss coverage on something, and our Mike Linebacker will go on the wrong side of, of coverage, and all of a sudden you'll have a long run, and there's nobody back there to to defend it, and we'll still come back with the same look. And most people adjust after things like that. But those that's also their downfall in a lot of instances, and it wasn't ours.
0: Right, and Bud trusts his players, and if they make a mistake, the next time they're going to come back, he he has the ultimate confidence in all of his players to make the one-on-one plays and just to step up. And as just a final note, number one is coming into our stadium. That does not happen often. We're 0-8 all time against the number one team. We need to... We need to step up to the plate and take advantage of this opportunity and take out number one. This, I can't emphasize enough how how big of an opportunity this is for our program for Virginia Tech, and I think we stand a great chance. Although I predicted a loss, I know that sounds like I'm contradicting, my, but it's not that I don't believe we can win. If if you're asking me to bet my life savings on it, I'm probably I would probably bet on Ohio State, but we have an incredible chance to win this game, and I hope that we
1: we can do it. I mean. Anybody that thinks they're coming into Lane Stadium, and I've seen on 11 Warriors and everywhere else, and you know, we're going to put up 50 points, good luck. I will bet my life savings that nobody's coming into Lane. And I may be eating, my, you know, oh, eating the soul Here of my show go. next week. Coming into Lane on this defense, putting up 50, give me a break. Very, Ohio State very well, and it has the talent to absolutely beat us in this game. But that is a shellacking that would go down in the ages. For you know, basically, Bud Foster would would be crying in his sleep for for weeks. I also like that Torian Gray came out today, which was kind of funny. Let's lighten things up a little bit and said he wasn't going to tell anybody whether we were playing zone or man coverage in this game. Give me a friggin' yeah, break! I know, come on. <laughs> he he <laughs> Torian Gray has been teaching defensive backs since D'Angelo Hall, and even before that, and. He's playing man coverage against these guys yeah. every single time. I, l- I loved it, though. It was just so funny. It was so tongue-in-cheek, I, th- I think. Uh, but, yeah, I,
0: just, to, just to finish it off, um, I'm just pumped that football's back. And I can't wait to watch us play, especially the defense. As we've kind of leaned a little defensive heavy on this. I think it's our pride and joy. I mean, come on now. Because nobody
1: I, knows what Michael is going to do. I, I, we don't. We don't know. We got to throw up a
0: couple touchdowns, but after that, we're putting it in Bud Foster and the defense's hands, and I'm comfortable there. This is the point in the show where I have a really important question for Robbie. What are you drinking
1: Uh, right now? It's the uh, the great return, uh, Hardywood beer. Uh this is out of Richmond, Virginia. Shout out to Richmond. We got a lot of we're really hitting Virginia on this. Did you plan all this out? Yeah, I picked p- bought the beer for this, I picked this out one. the
0: beers for this week and we uh we did go with a heavy Virginia sen- sentiment, you know. We want our listeners to be able to get the beers that we're drinking for the most part. Sure. And Hardywood is uh is a great brewery down in Richmond and I'll be actually be sitting th- with three of my Richmond Hokies at the game on Monday night, Nick. Brian and uh Wait, you're and Andrew. going you're
1: going to Ohio State? Oh, I'm going, baby. I'm so I'm going to Ohio State. I think State. we might end up
0: meeting up at Tots at some point and during that
1: weekend. That may happen. Uh what, what are you having? I, well, first of all, this is delicious, by, by the way. It's right up my alley. But go go ahead. The
0: uh I'm having a devil's backbone now. The Vienna Lager, which is one of their it's probably their most popular beer. And it's great. It's an easy drinking lager. Um just a really could be if you're looking to have four or five beers in a row, this one is is right up your alley. It's a really good lager. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to get into some of the picks, and we're going to try to do ACC picks week in and week out against the spread. But this week there are so many FCS games that we're going to, do some of the bigger games as well as uh, some of the ACC games. So yeah. first on the on the slate, I've got this uh, this Ohio State Virginia Tech one. I know that you have us winning, so you're going to bet on the money line on this one. Yeah. But we we're uh, yeah. we're eleven point underdogs, yeah. and I think we're going to cover. So
1: well, what pisses me off is yes, the injuries had something to do with it, but would we start the spread was twenty or what? Did it was twenty one after the national championship after game. the national championship game, and it, early on. We know more about the team than other people. I get it, but I was like, "That is in crazy." And it was i ridiculous. I never had uh, any Especially of my friends after
0: that military bowl uh, win. Come on,
1: against against Cincinnati. Um, but I think that uh, we knew that that was going to come down, even um, you know, not yeah, notwithstanding all the injuries and things like that. So I'm taking. The win, you're not taking, even the you're over. You're
0: taking Tech on the money line. You'll you'll make a nice little profit on that one. Um, and I'm taking Tech. I think we'll, if we do lose, I'm thinking it's going to be seven or three points, maybe 2017 or 27-20, something like that. The next game is Michigan at Utah. Uh, uh, Harbaugh's first game as a, as a Wolverine head coach. Um, I don't know about Utah, but they were pretty solid last year, top 25 team for most of the year.
1: Utah is a good team. They, they screw up a lot of people's years over there on the, on the West coast. Um, Pac 12
0: South, Pac-12 South right? That's a, or, or is that the North? I don't know. I don't no, know.
1: I think that one's uh, South, but they, yeah, they mess up a lot of people's seasons. They give them a tough game. Uh, can we talk about, uh, one other thing? Harbaugh, uh, did you see the thing that came out today from, uh, from SB nation? So evidently, um, go, go read it. If you guys haven't checked it out, the, it's a hilarious story, uh, about Harbaugh. Um, When we played Stanford, Um, not that the result of that game was was good, but uh, it came out that um, they thought he thought we were Georgia Tech, not Virginia Tech. Um, (laughs) I did not see that. I, I suggest all our listeners go check that out if you haven't heard it. It's a great story. I have I have Michigan for no other reason than. Harbaugh is psychotic. He's a crazy man, and somehow he could take this team that had some defensive talent and not much on offense, and he kind of works well with you know the run game and can probably scrape together some form of well, offense. Well, they've got
0: talent on the roster for sure, but I'm going to go with Utah. I, yeah. I,
1: I don't really have a whole lot of
0: reason for that. Utah's at home and a first-year head coach. I'm just going to go with Utah on that one. The next game, TCU-Minnesota at Minnesota. Last year, TCU handed it to them, and I actually thought Minnesota was going to hold their own, but TCU was turned out to be amazing last year. It's a 14-point spread. Uh, TCU is the favorites, obviously. They're number two in the country.
1: Uh, who do you got? Over. Uh, TCU is, if they didn't prove it after that bowl game last year and, and what they did after getting slighted, it, it, that was impressive. I was super high. My my, my wife— You got uh, super high? Now, my wife hated me because I argued TCU should have been in the playoff last year given what they what they had done and just how good they looked. They proved it again in the bowl game, and I have the over here. I think they're going to be just as good. They lose some on the defense. They're overhauling a little bit, but their offense is going to be just as good.
0: I like Jerry Kill, and I'm actually going to go with Minnesota, so we're differing on our first two picks here.
1: We're, we're, we said we were going to make you some money, but so far that would just yeah, depend on who you Yeah, going to have to take my picks if you want
0: money, right? <laughs>
1: uh, next game,
0: Louisville. Uh, against Auburn in the Georgia Dome, uh, it's a Auburn is ten and a half
1: point favorites in this game. You pick. What, what do you got here?
0: I like Gus Malzahn, and I like that a- Auburn offense. Uh, people have a lot of confidence in the Louisville defense again this year, but they've lost a ton in the last two drafts, and I think that Auburn is going to hand it to our ACC, uh, our ACC friends there.
1: Yeah, I. I agree. I've gone back and forth on this one a few times, but I don't think Louisville has the talent after everything they lost last year.
0: Next game. LOL UVA (laughs) at UCLA in the Rose bowl. UCLA is 17 point favorites and UCLA is number 13 going into the season. I've got UCLA here. uh, Big last year. UVA had a couple. I think they had a pick six and a couple other turnovers. And they were actually able to keep it close against Brett Hundley and UCLA. I don't think that happens this year. Even though UCLA has the rookie at quarterback and Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, yeah, I uh, I like UCLA here. Yeah,
1: Big. I agree. You know, Virginia, we don't like giving them props. They had a decent decent defense last year, um, and I think that's the reason that they were able to stick around this year. UCLA is really talented. I think they're going to take it.
0: We're going to next game is uh, Wisconsin against Alabama in Dallas. And uh, Bama's 10-point favorites. Bama's number three, and Wisconsin's number 10. I like Bama big here. Uh,
1: I do as well. Um, I think that they're going to take it. Wisconsin... I think is overranked at twenty, quite honestly. And
0: Saban eats up pro style offenses.
1: Yeah, I don't think that they they have a chance here. As, as much as I'd love to see Bama get in, get get something handed to them, at least have a tough game. I don't think that they're going to have a chance in this one. This on next Wisconsin.
0: one I find really interesting, and it's actually coming up in just a couple of days. It's the first game of the season, I think, in uh, FBS. UNC versus South Carolina in Charlotte.
1: Uh, We're gonna have to double back. We missed one. We missed one. Well, no, I, I'm leaving that oh, one for last oh, because 11? I like that one the best. I think it's an exciting. And this game. is my second got favorite it, is this
0: UNC SC game. And what do you? What do you? SC is is two point favorites. That's what the last one I saw anyway. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of an odd spread, but I like UNC. I told you I was high on UNC in the last one, and South Carolina has been beating them year after year. I think UNC will win this one.
1: I have. Outright. I have drum roll UNC winning as well uh and covering uh, they so they are two point they're underdogs in this or they are yeah, uh, uh, yeah you
0: you south carolina is the favorite
1: ah uh, yeah, then absolutely. Uh, Marquise Williams is going to be good this year. We talked last week, I think, about Gene Chizik and what he can do uh, yeah. on that defense. I think he will do enough to get past uh, past South Carolina. So I think we're good. Then, uh, then I think we're on to what I think is going to be this game's an awesome gonna be game is going to be awesome.
0: And I really don't know which way to go with this, even though. So ASU is coming in at number 15, and they're playing Texas A&M, and the game is in Houston. And although Texas A&M is unranked, they're actually three point favorites in this game.
1: Some people have Texas A&M as winning it yeah, out. Yeah, Man,
0: uh, Stuart Mandel has them going to the playoff. That's year. right. Absolutely, he's extremely high on the Aggies. Their defense I, is is well is, is terrible. It, it, was, it terrible was terrible last year, and they're bringing in Chavis from LSU as a defensive coordinator, similar yep. to Gene Chizik and the Will Muschamp going to Auburn. These defensive coordinators moving around. Can they revamp? A team that has a lot of talent on the roster but has never shown anything on the defensive side of the ball. I like ASU. I think ASU is gonna win the game outright. Yep. And I know people are high on Texas and M. And it'd be nice to see the SEC West get, you know, get it handed to them a little bit here.
1: Yeah, I think that um, at the end of the de- yeah, I I have <laughs> I have the opposite. I have A&M winning, and that's only from what what I've heard and I haven't done. But you have to- them covering the three points. Yeah. Okay. And there is their wide receiver talent is out of this world. Somebody it's, was joking the other day that they have like five stars on like their three deep uh, all the way down. They uh, Definitely over-recruited there. I think they'll sure up enough on defense and win this. And I think people uh, – ASU is a really, really good team. People are super high on them. I think they're a little high at 15 as well. I think they could be um, a little bit higher than that on in the rankings. So we'll see what happens this year. I think uh, that game is going to be a blast, though. Uh, it's
0: it's- going to be a real good one. I can't wait to
1: watch that one. Yeah.
0: So I think we're in, now's the time we're going to get into our viewer or or listener questions
1: yeah Uh, the ones that we've selected thousands of people i know you all uh, so many submissions uh we had to pick uh just a couple of them and uh, i'm tired of sifting through these things yeah we'll get into it get into it now so let's start off with the uh the first question um somehow we ended up picking two from from one person that submitted it um here's the first question i've heard robbie that would be that would be me uh talk about his wife so i assume he's taken uh, and she's super hot. I don't know who would ever say that about themselves. I mean about another person. But Pete, what's your deal? Take in single. Have room for one or two more this on your gotten, death chart. This is
0: <laughs> that's good. This has gotten pretty personal. Um no, I'm s i am am single, baby. You know it. Uh
1: you're loving every minute of it. Oh, you
0: know I mean I live in uh in the district proper and yeah. there's no shortage of things going on so if uh if any of you ladies want to slide into my d m s it's at psycho p b on Twitter, so yeah. holler at me,
1: yeah, we have half a lady out there listening to this <laughs> at at most uh question number two uh how did you guys meet and talk about a favorite memory uh of each other i I have one do you do you remember how we met i'm not even I sure re- it's I'm somebody. pretty
0: sure I remember how we met
1: all right, fire away then.
0: Uh, I'm pretty sure it was in beautiful Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. I think that's, we actually met right. on spring break my junior year and it was, it was awesome. We had a big group of people down there and one of our mutual friends had set the whole thing up mm-hmm. and it was a week in Mexico, like in college. I mean, what can you say? There was it a was lot was of, great. There was a lot of fist pumping. I think. It was, it was a lot of fun.
1: I'll handle the favorite memory. I think you were around for this when we, we lived in Terrace view, uh, back at, uh, at, at Virginia tech. And we were firing off fireworks one time. And the way oh, Terrorist yeah. View was working, that it was, I don't think, we didn't really talk about this beforehand. You kind of had, like, we were, um, it, was a, uh, it was perpendicular, the, the buildings behind us. And we were firing off bottle rockets out of, our, or not bottle rockets, what are the Roman candles? Yes, Roman candles. Out of, uh, off our balcony. And somebody pointed <laughs> yeah. it at the other set of buildings and just freak accident, their door was open. Their back sc- you know, screen door was open. And it sh- we shot like a bottle rocket or a Roman candle, Straight. one of those, right into their place. And I think it was a bottle rocket because it exploded when it went it in there. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that was just a freak accident. But I don't uh, know if
0: this is my favorite memory of you, but it's my most memorable one. And it's from that spring break. Day one. Um you were enjoying yourself had many an adult beverage as did I and you got so burnt it was like the worst and Robbie's an a pretty he's an Irishman I'm a pale Irishman <laughs> is the best way to and put it and he was a tomato like it was it was freaking bad but I'll tell you it did not ruin his good time no. he was
1: uh, the alcohol, you know, got rid of the pain mostly. Yeah. So oh was, my god, uh, dude,
0: you were so burnt. It's like it sticks in my mind. I can't forget how burnt you were yeah, the entire weekend. I was after like that. a
1: lobster. Well, I think that's going to be it for us on yeah, this one. I think
0: so. I think it was a good podcast, and like we tried to get into, you know, we tried to give our motivational speeches to the players in terms of we hope that they're up for this game. Make some history, fellas. This is number one. Make some history, guys. That's going to do it for this edition of the Too Deep remember to email us any questions with the uh, address of two deep at gmail.com or send us your questions or comments on Twitter, including any beer suggestions you have for us. And it's two deep at two deep all one word on Twitter. Stay tuned next week when we're going over the Ohio state recap for the most part, we'll get into the firm game a little bit, but it'll mostly be an Ohio state recap. So uh, until then go Hokies.